Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Dr. Pauline Morris and she is a consultant and what anesthesia, what is that? I should have asked you this before we started talking, but what, how do you say that? Anesthesiologist. As oh, the, yeah. that's not what it or says. Anesthetist. That's what it says. I'm like, it doesn't, I know what anesthesiologist says and that's not what it says. That's what it says. Okay. (laughs) And a career and personal development coach, having worked with and outside of medicine across several regions, including the Caribbean, Middle East, and the United Kingdom. As a founder of Doctors Caring for Doctors, a career coaching and support service for physicians, her mission is to help doctors discover how they can have a fulfilling life and a successful career without burning out. That's so important right now with COVID. Everybody in the medical field is burning out all over the place. I have lots of friends. Anyways, uh, as a former teen mom, Pauline also works with teen moms and their parents to help them reconnect with their values, renew their energy, and develop a mindset that allows them to rediscover their purpose and live a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. Well, Pauline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I mean, I looked around and and saw who you had on and I was, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here. So yes. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know how people find me, but they do. And I'm here for it. I mean, I've been doing this for like (laughs) over five years now and I'm just like, okay, cool. Awesome. (laughs) So Pauline, I was also a teen mom. Uh, I had my oldest daughter uh, a couple months, two months before I turned 17. So I was um, really young. I would love for you to share with us what, what was that experience like for you? Because it's, it's different for everyone. Um, And it's an, it's an interesting uh, journey. (laughs) That's definitely true. Um, and yeah, my experience was probably different from yours because I was uh, born and raised in Barbados. That's an island in the Caribbean. Put it on your bucket list. It's a must visit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's where Rihanna's from. If I say that, then everybody knows. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I had my daughter when I was 17, um, not too long before my 18th birthday, and um, what can I say? It, it, it's an experience that there's no one word to describe. Um, and I use three words to describe the whole experience of it. And I, and I say heart, mind and moxie, because that's kind of what you need to get through any sort of life changing experience like that. And for me, I was, you know, a, a chubby little girl growing up on an island that was probably a bit smaller than me (laughs) (laughs) I was in trouble all the time you know I I didn't do very well in school I did okay but um, I think in hindsight I just was a little bit more than 
that time was ready for. Um, so I wasn't a good enough little girl. I wasn't a good enough student. I wasn't a good enough anything. And that wasn't because I didn't try. I did try, but, you know, I got into trouble because I'd ask the wrong questions and, you know, it was, it was a wonderful childhood, but it was a very restricted one because I grew up in a, a, a very religious Catholic family mm. and um, I wasn't allowed to do much. And when that clipping of the wings kind of happened, I think me having my daughter was not a genuine act of rebellion per se, but it was due to a real lack of understanding of everything that I was and everything that I had the potential to be. Having said that, um, after being a very bubbly child and a very happy child, I then had the experience of true oppression and depression and, you know, having other people dictate the course of my future henceforth in a way that I had never imagined. Um, and basically I'd been written off, you know, by mm -hmm. friends, by most of my family. And, you know, it was because of the two women in my life who were pivotal, my mother and my grandmother, who kind of showed me a different way of living from day one. <laughs> There's the cat. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people um, heard him make like meow just a second ago. I, I They didn't hear the before we started the intro, but there's a cat trapped in my office with me <laughs> because he has uh he has an obsession and yeah he, he, <laughs> he's obsessed with me and he really wants to get on my lap and just lay there and he can't so yeah <laughs> Go ahead with well story. that's a good point for him to interject in actually because <laughs> I'll take the mood right back up <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. from my oppression of my depression to the fact that it really up until that point I really had no focus and I had mm -hmm. no real purpose in life and when I became a mother and I had all these people deciding that I was no longer worthy of the skin that I was even in yeah it really fueled me to you know basically go yeah well you know what I can and not only I will do it I will excel and exceed mm. beyond what you think of me. And <clears throat> it's sad to say, but up until then, I really was just sort of floating around going, well, I don't really know. I don't know what I want to do with my life. And all of a sudden I had this little person in my life and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give her the best future ever. And I'm going to do it despite and in spite all of the rest of you people around me and that's the only way I can I can describe it without talking for three hours about it <laughs> <laughs> but you know it you know she changed my life and if I didn't have her I'm not sure if I would have ever found my rudder because I didn't grow up in an environment that encouraged that mm. um I think maybe I'd have been a teacher. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd have, maybe I'd have done something. But at that point in my life, I was just just floating aimlessly. And um, I have the good fortune of being one of those people who don't excel at anything, but I'm really good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so it allows me to be a bit creative, but it also means that I, my, my, the way I see things and the way and my focus, it only lasts for so long before I've gotten to the point where I want to get to. And now I want to move on to something else. I want mm -hmm. another challenge. I want to do something else. Um, and I've found a way to, to work that into my adult life. And it's fantastic. But when you're a child and you don't have guidance and you're and you're told that, you know, you're a bit frivolous and you're a bit fuzzy headed and you're a bit, you know, you just you just don't know what to do with that. And that's where I was. But, you know, this little squalling person, you know, just just made me go, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to pick something. I'm going to sort my life out and then I'll do the rest of the stuff. <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened. See, mine was the opposite. So I was like a really good kid growing up. I didn't really do much. I didn't really party. I didn't I, I, I was like a straight A student. I had it all going for me. And then my parents divorced and it just like became a whirlwind and I still did well in school, but I went to party <laughs> and I got pregnant. And then of course, everybody was like, oh, you fell from grace. You are not the person we thought would get pregnant and blah, 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 blah and all these things. And, and that kind of like, instead of like having the confidence in myself, I kind of like went the opposite way where you were like, mm. okay, this little person motivated me to do better in life. And I mean, she's probably the reason I'm still alive today, but, um, like instead I had a hard time, like, cause I felt like I was bogged down, um, by everything that was going on and there was so much pressure and it, it was really hard. And I kind of lost confidence in my ability to do the things. Um, and I ended up flunking out of college my last semester, the first time I went to college. Um, and it's taken decades for me to actually, because I'm like, uh, well, not, not decades, almost two decades uh, for me, actually get my shit together. <laughs> um, and but you got now, it though. I have. And in, in my daughter's 18 and she's out of the house now. And, you know, she, I, she's doing well. Um, I, you know, you just want to be like, come back home and you can live with me <laughs> and get it together. And then you can go back out. But she's like, Nope, I'm going to go live on my own as soon as she graduated high school. And I was just like, fine, fine, whatever you need to do. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, I'm here for it. Whatever. Well, we can't live their lives for them though. Can we? We can't, um, but it was, it, I, I tell people, I said, the positive thing about being such a, a young mom, um, even though I didn't have my other kids until like years later, I mean, my youngest are 10. So there's eight years um, and my middle daughter is 12. So there's six years between her and my oldest. My kids are all going to be grown up soon, right? In like eight years, I'll be in my early forties and they'll be grown up and I'll be able to just, I'll have the money to live life. Yeah. And, and just do whatever I want. Um, but the problem yeah. is, is I didn't get to, and, and you didn't either get to really enjoy that early twenties, being able to do whatever we wanted as much as we tried is we had responsibilities. Other people our age didn't have. That is true. But for me, I'm not sure that was a negative. And I'll tell you why, because remember I said, I grew up in this, in this, <clears throat> in this Catholic household yeah. and, um, I was really, really naive. I really was. And um, my mother used to run her own business. And she, you know, she sold everything from 
I don't know, a Bacchus to xylophones and anything and everything in between at some point in time in her life. And back then, when you traveled and flights got canceled, you you were just stuck. So it was a common thing for my mother to pick up these these flight orphans <laughs> on her travels and bring them back to our, our, our house. And I'd wake up in the morning and there'd be these strangers camping out in our living room, you know, and then she'd feed them and they'd have some place to shower and then she'd take them out to the airport and then the flight would get canceled and she'll bring them back. You know, oh, wow. and she did this for years, yeah. right? And I thought that this is what the world was like. I thought people were good. I thought people were kind. I thought people were generous and they took care of each other when they were in trouble. I was as naive as they come. And I'll be honest, if I was allowed to do what I eventually did do, I think I would have gotten into a whole lot more trouble than just getting pregnant because I wasn't ready for the world. I had yeah. no clue. And when I went off to medical school, my God, did I have the shock of my life. I just did not have any concept of what people can truly be like. And it was the first time I was on my own, away from home. I was in my early 20s and I was as green as the, 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 the new willow stick. I had no clue. And I was constantly saying, not saying the right thing. Um, you know, I couldn't understand why people didn't like me. I was a bit too honest because, well, I never learned that, well, sometimes you just can't be that honest with that. You know, I just, yeah. I just didn't know. And I think if I hadn't had my daughter and I had gone out into the world, you know, totally unfettered at that point in time in my life, I think it would have been worse for me. And I know people used to feel really sorry for me. It's like, oh, yeah, she's home with the baby, poor thing. And I never really felt sorry for myself. That That is me being naive again. And then I got to watch this fantastic transition in life, as you just said, you know, where my daughter was a bit older and all of a sudden I had this free time and I knew what I was doing now and I knew what I wanted to do and I knew who I wanted to be with and who I wanted to spend my time with and who I was going to invest my energy with. So actually when I had the opportunity to go out and have a good time and be really social it was all really really good times because I was smart enough to know where I was going who I wanted to be with where my boundaries are what I would and would not do what I would and would not be pressured into because I had learned all of these things at a time when it was actually safe for me to do so um, so, and now, and like you said, I'm now in my late forties and my daughter's all grown up and I'm now a grandma and I am living life up, you know, I'm young enough to have a really good time. I'm young enough to enjoy life. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody go have your babies at 17. That's yes, not what I'm saying don't. at all. <laughs> that is definitely not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is it is possible to have an experience like this and and come out with positives and come out with real personal growth mm. that doesn't just work for you. It works for the people around you because it's all of these experiences that come together to make me who I am today, to make me the doctor I am that allows me to be the coach I am because I can say to people, look, I get it. I know what it is to be on the back foot, right? Yeah. In, in whatever way you want to describe it. You know, I, I was socially awkward. I put my foot in up to my mouth. I was persona non grata. I remember I remember my friends being asked, why are you friends with her? You know, <laughs> I totally get 
what it means like to to not have that footing um so yes and no for some people they will miss that but for me it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me because I just wasn't ready for the world now the world has to be ready for me yeah but then I had no clue honestly I didn't yes please don't go out and have teen babies I know in the States, those that live in the States, uh, if they watch Teen Mom, it glamorizes oh gosh, teen pregnancy. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I'm That's like, not you know what I'm saying? At no, all. <laughs> you know, these people are getting paid, right? Yes. Like by MTV to be on it. So they're not struggling. And to be ridiculous. Yeah. And, and to, to be, be as ridiculous. ridiculous as possible. This yeah. is not what it's like to be no, a teen mom. It is not glamorous. It is tough. <laughs> it is hard, you know. Being a mom, being a new mom at any age is difficult. Doing it when you're 17 with half the world against you, trust me, it's no fun. Yeah. But what I'm saying it is truly character building. Yeah. No, no, it no, is. definitely. Uh, when I said earlier, I probably wouldn't be alive. I'm, most people who listen to the podcast know I have bipolar disorder. And so I've struggled with my mental health from a very young age. Uh, and uh, I'm thankful because my daughter oftentimes when it was very dark places was the reason that I held on. Right. Um, mm. so I'm very thankful for her, um, being in my life at the time she came coming into my life at the time she did, because I don't know if I would be here today if it wasn't for her, like having that human that depends on you and knowing like, I, I have to, I have to stay around. I have to continue on. Because what's going to happen if I don't, you know, Um, where is she going to end up if I'm not here? So, yeah, I I definitely there are definitely positives. There was definitely positives. It's just hard. People don't understand how difficult it is to be a teen mom. (laughs) It is hard. It is really hard. It is hard. There's no other. There's no nice way to say it. It is really tough. And you can have some moments and the way I describe it to people is what when you think think about your future you think about what am I going to do next week next month next year in six months time what am I going to do this afternoon and I had days when my next thought was where to put my foot Mm -hmm. or okay now I should probably have a cup of tea or well before we even get there it would be like okay now you've opened your eyes you should get out of the bed that's Mm -hmm. as far ahead as I could think and I was really hard on myself because I thought why can't you why can't you be more and do more and actually that was my mind and my soul protecting itself and going you know what the future is going to be there no matter what what you need to do is happening right now so make a cup of tea now drink it now wash the dishes now do this and you know if somebody stopped me then and went well what are you going to do this afternoon I'd have been stumped I would I wouldn't know what to say because I could not see that far ahead in my future but looking back that was that was my mind being smarter than me and going okay you know what you're going to lose it so you need to find ways to cope and this is how we're going to do it um so yeah it is tough but I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. My girl, she is. Anyway, so yeah. Um, how was it for you going to college with a kid? 
See, for me, um, my struggle was I tried to have a social life, be a mom, mm. work full t- full time and go to school at the same time. And it did not work out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you're only one person and you can't do all the things. Uh, so that's why I ended up flunking out my last semester. But what was your experience like? Um, medical school was really tough because I didn't come from typical medical school stock. That was the first thing. And sad to say, but medical school um, and that whole profession is still very patriarchal. It's very um, all boys club. It's very, you know, it's changed a lot. Yes. But, you know, there's still at the time. I mean, I am talking about over 20 years ago. It was still very much certain people went to medical school and I was definitely not that people. Um, I was I wasn't from the right social class. And then I had this child, you know, it was like, I, you know, the first and last sin that had ever been committed. And I remember in medical school, one of the things that came up was we would go out as a group in medical school and I would go out and people would be like, what, what, what do you mean you're out? You're a mother. You're not supposed to be out. You know, everybody would be dancing on the tables and I would be the one person to be picked up going, oh my God, she's somebody's mother and she's dancing on a table. (gasps) It was just, you know, and people just could not, they could not marry the two in their mind that I was a mother, but actually, hey, I was a student in medical school and everybody, I mean, it's not like I was leaving the child at home and going out partying. She was with my my parents at the time. She wasn't even in the same country as me. So it's not like I was leaving my three-year-old child at home <laughs> in an apartment by herself while I was out partying. Right. I was in school with everybody else. But people really struggled with that. And um, it, it was, you know, and, and there were, there would always be comments and judgments and you know, I remember once somebody actually asked me, why are you here? And again, in my naivety, I was like, what do you mean? Why am I here? I'm going to become a doctor. I'm, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. But it was somebody else who said to me, they weren't asking you, why are you here? They were asking you, you know, like when you see it, you suddenly see a little child wandered around by itself and you're like, what are you doing here? You know, like you don't belong. You're not supposed to be here. What, what are you doing here? That was the way they were asking me the question, because what are you doing here? You don't belong. So that was really quite interesting. And that battle continued for the entire five years of battle. Experience continued that way for the entire five years, really. And um, my friend Pooh was very small. Um, Obviously, it got smaller when I got pregnant. Then... You know, it was really interesting to see people's responses because when for some people, when I had the baby, they were really caring. You know, it's like, how are you? How are the baby? How, how's the baby? Oh, yeah, my life is so hectic. I'm, I'm, I'm in university and I'm studying. And it, but then I got into university as well. And then all those people kind of stopped caring. And my grandmother used to have this saying that I didn't understand at the time. And she used to say, people like to sympathize with you. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. But what she meant was when people can't feel sorry for you, then they are the one, they, then they struggle. It's all right when they can look at your life and go, oh, thank God, that's not me. But once you start living a different kind of life, those people then start to struggle. And those people 
fell off as well once I got into university. So this is what I mean when I say I had the opportunity, because I had my daughter, I had the opportunity to really learn to understand people. And it's not that people are bad or, or, they're, or they're truly unkind or evil or anything like that. But we all are fighting battles and we're all fighting different battles. And some of us develop really unhealthy ways of coping and expressing our feelings when we're fighting these battles. And when I was that age looking at these people, I thought, you know, I thought, poor me. I thought, you know, how horrible of them. Today, as a coach, I'd look back and think about these people and I think, oh, my God, how sad. They must have been so unhappy to have this response to other people. But I didn't have the, the skills, the knowledge, the attitude, the capacity, the experience to understand what was happening then. What was good for me is that I was able to separate myself from those experiences. And I would have those moments where I would really struggle with my own self-confidence, my own empowerment, the way I saw myself. Because when you're constantly battling that sort of negativity you you really have to start saying well one you start thinking well it, it can't be all them it's got it's got to be me but part of the problem's got to be me and it almost invariably always is a part of the problem as well so I had things about myself I had to learn to improve and, and do better and be better about but I was really lucky that I had that capacity inherent in me that I can only say that it was inherent I, I can't say that I worked at it but I could remove myself from the experiences and separate who I was as a person from these things. And I think if I everybody, if somebody always has that question, what's your superpower? I think that would have to be mine. My ability to remove myself from my experience and evaluate it in a, in a logical way that allows me to come to healthier conclusion and ways of dealing with the world with whatever it throws at me and that's what I try to help my clients learn how to do actually how to separate yourself from your experience and for doctors that's really important because we have some really shitty experiences in our careers for some obvious reasons and some not so obvious reasons but it's that ability to separate yourself from the experience and understand this is not who I am as a person this is something that is happening to me this is something that's happening around me. This is not who I am. And it's really tough. It's really tough. But I think that was the, the, that, the importance of that experience that I gained in medical school. Yeah. That was a really long answer. Sorry. Oh, no. I love it. I'm like, keep going. It makes my job easier. Really <laughs> no, when people just keep talking, I'm like, yes, because my job is much easier now. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, no, I, you know, so I go to, I'm going to school for psychology. I'm in, in my master's program right now. And, uh, my interest is social psychology and they talk about how we have certain expectations and, and I refer to it as a box. Like we have boxes that people fit in, in our brain, like the stereotypes of what we expect people to be right? As a teen mom, yeah. they didn't, or as a mom, when you're in medical school, they did not expect you to be going out and doing these things because that didn't fit the, the expectation, the stereotype inside their head. And so we deal with these throughout our lifetime and not just because you're a teen mom, but for a variety of things, we all deal with it. It's, it's not just like 
one type of person will deal with this. We will all deal with this. If the, these people have these stereotypes or these expectations of us and they put us in this box and they don't expect us to leave the box. And when you leave the box, like it's hard and you, you get pushback, you get people who are going to yeah. say things or, or do things um, because of that. I, I dealt with something similar when I was in college, when I would go out, people would be like, why are you out? You have a kid. Ooh. I'm like, I, yeah. I have a babysitter. Like I have somebody watching her. She's not in my apartment by herself. Um, So like, you know, like, don't I get a break too? Like, is it, you know, aren't I allowed to, to enjoy myself as well? Like, is it just, this is just um, for people who don't have children? Like why, why is this? People who had children in the right time in the right way. Right. Mm. You know what? Having had four children, there is no right time. (laughs) Or right way. It's never going to happen like you think it is. Like people have this plan and they're like, when I'm this age, I'm going to have kids. And it never happens the way you want it to happen. You can have all the plans in your head. It is not going to, I will tell you right now, it was not the only one of my children who was a plan uh, was one of my twins and I got twins. So (laughs) my- Yes. My oldest daughter and my middle daughter were not, they were surprises. And then uh, my spouse and I went to, I mean, they're not his biological children. And uh, we went after we got married to have children and I'm like, we'll do one. Okay. I already have two and we have two now. And you know, just one more we're good. I don't need any more, you know, (laughs) then we got twins. And so I'm like, you know what? It's never, it's never how you plan it. It's not. <laughs> that is so true. That's that's true about life. Honestly, right. if somebody had said to me that I'd be, you know, even have sitting having doing podcasts, if somebody said that to me twenty years ago, ten years ago, I would say five years ago, I'd have been like, really? And how am I going to be doing that? Yeah, <laughs> you just don't know, do you? No, like, and, ten- but there's a certain joy in that uncertainty. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, somebody had said I'd have a podcast. I'd be like, what? I don't know. Yeah. Not me. I can honestly say up to five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, uh, right. How is that going to work? How is that going to happen? Yeah. Not a clue. I had not a clue. Didn't see any, didn't see anything of the last five years of my life. Five years ago. It wasn't there. It just wasn't. I was a doctor. Yeah. That's what I did. And I was where I was and that wasn't going to change. But I should have learned my lesson by then because 18 years before that, (laughs) when I was in Barbados and I was a doctor and I thought, right, well, I'm a doctor in Barbados. That's it. That's not going to change. And it did (laughs) majorly because that's when I moved to the UK. You know, so I've learned my lesson now. Now I just go, oh, let's see. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know what five years will bring to you. Like, you have no idea. Like, I... I would not have thought like five years ago, I would be in a master's program for psychology. You would have told me that. And I've been like, no, I'm not going back to school. I already failed at that once. No, that's okay. (laughs) Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I'm good. Yeah, no more. (laughs) We're good. Thank you. Uh, So what was life like for you with your daughter growing up after college? For me, I grew up with her, right? We grew up with them. Like we, it wasn't like we were like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say full blown adults. Cause I feel like at 35, I'm not even an adult, but anyway, 
you know, you grew up with them because when you're like a teenager, you still have a lot of growing to do. Um, what was that experience like for you? I think what it did is it allowed me to, you know what, I, I, I think I benefited from this in ways that the more I talk about it, the more I'm becoming to realize. Yeah. Because I was still quite young, I was still able to enjoy her being young. Yeah. So when she wanted to play patty cake 200 times, I could play patty cake 200 times because I, I could tell you I couldn't do it now at 48. Oh no. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, everything that was good for her was good for me because I still had that innocence of youth. Mm-hmm. And I remember, do, to, so all her little things were really important to me. So it's like, I really, I really enjoy taking her to the cinema to watch all the little Disney thingamabobbies because yeah. I was probably still young enough to enjoy them in, yeah. a, in that sort of childlike wonder myself. And I actually remember the first movie that we both went to where we both really wanted to see the movie and I remember thinking oh my gosh my daughter's growing up we want to watch the same movie it's not just some (laughs) you know some some princess singing somewhere and you know and she inherited my love of sci-fi and horror and, and the slightly paranormal and ridiculousness of it all and you know it was everything was really exciting because it was almost like I had somebody to um, indulge them in their passions and somebody who was also willing to indulge me in mine because, well, she didn't really have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so it was almost like, well, we'll do this today that you really like, and then we'll try this today that mommy really likes. And, and if you don't like it, we don't have to do it again. And, you know, that sort of thing. So it was really fun to grow up with her because I still had that energy and that gleefulness and that youthful way of looking at life and everything is just fun. And because, you know, every generation is going to be different. Okay, it was 17 years difference, but really it's another generation. So she got to do things that I didn't get to do as a child. And that was exciting for me because I've never done these things either. And because I wasn't, you know, you know, 40 with a wonky knee or whatever, I could, you know, I could climb like she could and I could, you know, and it was really a lot of fun. And it's only now I'm talking to you about it. I realized actually how much fun I did have, Yeah, you know, being her mom. Um, but at the back of that was always this sort of, as you, as you said, this umbrella of responsibility, because it was almost like, and you said something really interesting. You said, don't I deserve to get a break too? And I, the feeling that I got from many people, it was like, oh, you went and had a baby. Well, that's your baby. You take yeah. care of your baby. So I, I, I always felt as if she had no one else but me. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't keep her, you know, if I didn't raise her right, if I didn't think about things properly, if I didn't, you know, Um, raise her to be independent and and just and honest with herself she would struggle and I didn't want her to have the struggles that I had I didn't want her to see that the world in that rose colored way that I saw it I wanted her to enjoy life but I also wanted to prepare her 
for what life could be. Because the reality is someday something could happen to me and she would literally have no one else. Yeah. I mean, other than my 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 mother, who was quite elderly because she had me when she was in her 40s. So my mother was actually um, um, much older. So it was like, if something were to happen to me, she's going to have to be able to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. So even so in in the midst of all of this fun, I always try to balance it with, okay, but you know, this is not what life is really like. This is what you need to be prepared for. This is what you do. You know, and she used to say to me, <laughs> she said to me recently, Mama, I used to be so tired of you sometimes. <laughs> she'd come home from school and we'd sit down and I'd be like, right, so what did you learn at school today? And she'd be like, oh, <laughs> so, so she had to think of so she'd be in school going okay okay what 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 part of my day am I going to be able to tell mother about because she's going to ask me and she's not going to let it go but what that meant was we, we we always had that conversation and she always had that focus so we'd sit down I'd be like so what did you learn in school today and and it and it was a really and it's later on as an adult she said to me I was so frustrated and tired of you but actually <laughs> It was really good. Yeah, uh, it was really good that we, we you, you made me talk even when I didn't really want to talk. And and I had a relationship with you that my other friends didn't have with their mom because we spoke. Yeah. You know, and, and my daughter could be really sullen when she when she wanted to be. Oh, be, yeah. Mine oh, you too. Could, oh, my gosh. You, can, you cannot sulk like this girl. <laughs> and I'd be like, OK, she's sulking now fine I'll let her get herself and as soon as she's over it right so what did you learn in school today (laughs) say oh my gosh I cannot get away from you no you cannot (laughs) I'm going to love you whether you like it or not yeah yeah it was it was it was a fun experience but I always had this 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 pressure around my heart, you know, it was like, if something happens to me, she's got no one else. I've mm-hmm. got to prepare her. I've got, you know, she can't be spoiled. She can't be this. She has to make me, she has to be prepared for life if I'm not here. And that took away probably more of the joy than I care to admit. But um, I don't know. It was, it, it was, it was tough to have that pressure but at the same time, it probably worked out for her in the end. But if I could do it all again, I'd, I would have liked to be a bit more free-spirited. I would have. But that pressure was always there. That worry. Yeah, to prepare them to be adults. And yeah. I think about how differently it was for me parenting her than it is for her men. And I'm like like you said, I had so much fun with her and I was able to enjoy all these things. And then today it snowed here and I love snow and I love to play in snow, but the twins were outside for like hours in the snow this morning. And I'm out there for an hour and I come inside. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good for today. Thank you. But with, <laughs> yeah, with my oldest, I could have like stayed out there for all those hours, but <laughs> I'm like, I am not, you know, 27 anymore. Like that's not going to happen. So I understand like having all these really fun experiences. I, I have them with the twins as well, but like not to the extent I did with her. Cause I was young and I was spry and I could do all mm-hmm. the things that I just 
am not capable of doing now. <laughs> I could, you know, stay up all hours of the night and I could, you know, now, you know, in my thirties, if I don't get enough sleep, I am miserable the entire day, <laughs> the next day <laughs> where in my twenties, I could like live on oh, yeah. three hours of sleep and be fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, how did I do it? I have no idea. I have no idea. So I oh, could totally gosh. relate to what you were saying is like, yeah, it definitely had some downfalls and it was hard, but like there were some really positive, amazing things that came out of it. And I, a lot of times we'll be doing stuff and I'll quote Dora because Carmel, my <laughs> oldest was obsessed with Dora and we watched so much Dora and I never got sick of Dora because that was cool with me at the time. But now like when her siblings were younger, I was just like, I can't, I cannot watch this one more time. You got, you watch this, you stay here, you watch this. I'm not, no, I'm going to go in another room. Yeah. I can't do this. I'm going to go sit in the window seat over there. With exactly. Put your phone's on. <laughs> Mommy's watching. <laughs> yes, I'm right here. I promise. Um, so Dr. Pauline, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like the inspired women audience with? What would I like to leave them with? Hmm. Um, I found, a, I, I would really like to claim this for myself, but I can't. And <laughs> I, I actually don't know who, who said the quote, but I saw it a couple of days ago and it really resonated with me and it went along the lines of the world needs you now as you are not when you're perfect and that I think one of the reasons that resonated with me is because I spent so much of my own life trying to prove to other people and to myself that I was bigger and I was better and that's for all kinds of reasons. It's partially my values and beliefs of how I was raised. It has to do with the profession I was in as a doctor. It has to do with being female. It has to do with being black. This whole concept of I need to prove that I'm great. And to do that, you always need to be moving towards perfection. And that, that in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a great thing to want to do more, be more, improve mm -hmm. yourself, get better personal skills, communication skills, professional skills, whatever. That's always a good thing. However, when it comes at the detriment of your mental health and well-being, that's when it's it's gone off kilter. The, the path is, is, is getting dangerous. Um, and as we strive, and this is the time of year as well, where everybody looks at themselves and go, oh no, I'm so not perfect. I need to lose 20 pounds. I need to learn to do this and meditate and, you know, because we all have our New Year's resolutions and we're all striving towards this perfectness that we're told that we should have to achieve. And what I would like to say to the Inspired Women's podcast is, and you've probably heard it before, but it really is true. You are enough. Mm. As you are now, you are enough. Yes, do better. Yes, be better. Do more. Yes, do those things. But do them knowing that you are perfect and you are whole already. And, and all you're doing is, 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 it's like when you build your home, you know, you, you, you 
build the foundation, you build the walls, you build this, and then you live in it, and then you change the paint, right? Or you add an extension, or you change the windows. But at its core, the bones of it, this is still your home, and it's mm -hmm. still perfect. And when you do all these little tweaks, you're not doing them necessarily because it's not good enough. You're doing it because it's a natural part of the growth and maintenance mm -hmm. of the place. And rather than seeing yourself as something that needs to be fixed, just see it as growth and maintenance. You are still your home and you're still perfect and whole. You're still doing the job you're supposed to do. You're just doing a bit of maintenance and growth. I that love that. Yes. And, you know, I am always saying like the world is constantly moving forward. It's, it's always, it, it, you know, growth, it's always growing. Like the, the world itself, it, it's moving. Like, I mean, think of when we were children and you didn't have smartphones, you didn't have the internet the way it is today. You didn't have social media. You didn't have all these things, but look at a few decades, it's just exploded and it's grown. And if we don't grow, if we don't grow and move forward and we just stay stagnant, the world is going to move on without us. But I love how you said that core, that core is still us. We're just doing a little maintenance. We're just revamping a little bit. Yeah. That's well, it. Dr. Pauline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Was, I really enjoyed our conversation, actually. <laughs> it was really good. It's like chatting with an old friend. It was great. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.